Welcome to Just a Parishioner. I'm Loren Zaragoza. I'm Sean Greeley. Thanks for downloading today's episode. And don't forget to subscribe. These episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Another great show for you today. We're going to be jumping into our topic of the first couple of years of a Catholic marriage. Uh, Once again, we've got Megan Magaldi on with us. If you haven't listened to it yet, Please, please, please go back to the episode with her parishioner profile. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. Um, But just like every week, uh, you know, Sean, we're talking about this marriage concept again. And again, the first couple of years, uh, we talked about it last episode, how you are going to be building up, uh, you're you're preparing for your marriage, and that's going to be at the end of 2021, of course. Um, I will say that there have been a couple of bit a couple of more wrenches thrown in weddings for anybody in 2020 and 2021 because of the pandemic. Um, if you don't mind me asking you, are there what what wrenches have you guys have have been thrown at you guys while you're preparing? So far, we're avoiding a lot of them. We're really, really hoping that these vaccination rates keep up the way they are, and that the government will allow us to have a the wedding we want, you know, and not have any restrictions on it. So we're planning for no restrictions right now, and I'm sure. Well, no, I'm not sure. I hope that a week out, like a a month out or something, we don't have to radically alter our plans. But, you know, so far, uh, there haven't been too many wrenches at all. All right. So again, if you want to connect with us on social media, you can check us out on Instagram at just a parishioner or facebook.com slash just a parishioner, or you could shoot us an email at we are parishioners at gmail.com. Uh, once again, Megan Magaldi is on with us. Megan, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, I'm really excited to be doing this. Marriage is a really important topic and really special to me. So I'm really excited. Yeah. So, I mean, I brought it up to Sean about a lot of people postponing their weddings, pushing it back. I, again, this is coming from a guy who was already married, but you know, when people come up to me and they, and I ask them about, you know, how's the wedding planning going, going, how's this, how's that? My biggest piece of advice is you just get married. Just do it, you know, the, the 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 party, and don't get me wrong, the party is a phenomenal part of it. Megan and I was blessed enough to be uh, at your wedding, right? So the party is a big deal. But I think what we're talking about today is not the party, not the wedding, but the marriage itself and the sacrament of matrimony and how important that is. So for the people who did throw their hands up, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, for the ones who said, we're going to postpone it, um, we put a lot of effort and money and time into it. And we want to do it the right way. Believe me, I am not judging you whatsoever. And I, there's a part of me that completely understands that because that it, there is a lot of effort that goes into it. And for more women than men, okay, more women than men, they've had this dream wedding. And if, if they want to push it back, then again, I'm not judging you for that. But with that said, that the, the sacrament is, itself, that's, that's ex- that's what's important, right, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when we were preparing for our wedding day, I the main thing I kept saying was, I don't want to be stressed out because this is our entire life <laughs> that we are preparing for, which can feel really overwhelming. Or you can feel like, oh my gosh, I am preparing for this one day and it has to be perfect, right? And our wedding day went by in the blink of an eye. I mean, it was what over in 12 hours and there's, and it was beautiful. It was the most incredible day of our lives to date. God willing, we have, you know, children, but to this date, 
it was the most incredible day, but it went by so fast. So preparing for your marriage, I think is more important than just preparing for that day. Absolutely. The blink of an eye, it, it, it is very, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say cheesy, but it's definitely a cliche to say it, but it's true. Um, you know, we, we, uh, Katie and I made the decision to hire videographers for our wedding. So we have a lot of that on tape and, and funny enough, we have three daughters, um, the two older ones, four and two years old, the, their favorite movie right now to watch is our wedding video. So it's extremely adorable and extremely cute. Um, but you know, again, we, we, we love that day, but to your point, it's about, it, it's about the life that you're setting up for for yourself. Um, Sean, I'm going to kick it to you real quick. You know, in preparing for marriage with Megan here, who's been married for what, a year and a half now, right, Meg? Mm -hmm. So with Megan married for a year and a half, and of course I've been married for a little bit longer. (laughs) I can't, I'm saying that because I forget how long I've been married for, but what, what questions would you have as you're preparing for marriage for, for Megan, essentially, who's, you know, a few years ahead of you? put me on the spot. I did. (laughs) I think, um, well, first of all, I know I've spoken with your husband, Justin, a little bit about some of this stuff and he's given me some good recommendations. But one of the things that comes to mind is I know like with my own family, my own parents, like communication, there were times growing up where there were like blowout fights and stuff when I was a kid. Like, and you know, everybody's first example of marriage is their parents if they're staying together while they're growing up. So, um, I don't know, like I, I kind of want to just know about the hard stuff that's going to come up in the first year because, you know, we're trying to do things right and not live together. We're not, um, sharing an apartment or anything like that right now. And I know that there's probably going to be some sticky stuff that comes up as much as fun and as joyful and as loving as it's going to be. Like, what are your thoughts on some of that? If you can speak to any of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I would say the first thing I want to say is don't let people speak over you that the first year of marriage is going to be so hard and it's the worst, but it gets better after that. Don't listen to people who say that because who are they to speak that one over you and over your marriage when they might not even really know you or your fiance. Um, Just kind of let that, that comment go to the side, because I would say the first year of marriage is obviously both beautiful and hard all at the same time. I think some of the fun things also are the hard things, right? Like we didn't live together before we got married. So being able to go to bed in the same bed at night was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you're kind of giddy about it because it's like, this is like, we're having a sleepover every night. And you kind of feel like even like a little kid about it. Like you can't believe that you're finally in this space that you can live life together. Um, But then there's also, you know, who's clean, who's not, who like likes to go to bed late, who likes to go to bed early. And, you know, for me, I know this might sound silly, but it's important that when Justin's home for him to come to bed with me, because when he's not on the road, um, you know, sorry, when he is on the road, I really miss that. I really miss having him close by. And, you know, there are so many different quirks that you just have to get adjusted to 
For example, Jess and I do not like the same TV shows. We never can agree on a TV show besides The Chosen, which I will talk about in a minute. But The Chosen series is the only show that we have been able to come to a conclusion on that one we both like and will watch together. I just finished season one of that. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's so incredible. So, I mean, just little silly things like that. But I would say that... I guess what has been the most difficult has been one learning communication and also knowing how the other person really operates. If that makes sense, you know, we both need different things when we're feeling frustrated or when we're feeling sad, our love languages are very different. Um, and it takes a lot of conversations over and over and over and over again. And I think that that will never end. It's not just going to be, you know, well, now we know the way that the other person communicates. It's a constant, you know, I don't want to say battle, but it is to like continuously always be curious about the other person and know where they're growing too, because you're, you're always growing as an individual, but you're also growing as a couple. So it's important to always be revisiting what you need because as a spouse, you want to be like fulfilling those needs, whether it's, you know, physical touch or quality time, or how can I support you in this? Or do we need to talk about X, Y, and Z, if that makes sense? So there are a lot of hard things, but there also are a lot of beautiful things. And I think the main thing is praying about those things and also talking about them. I want to build off that. Um, So to reduce the hardships for myself, and for Julia in our marriage and any other men that are listening and maybe even Lorenz included in that, what do you think a man can do in marriage to be a good husband? Oof. You know, in our marriage prep, what, what, one of the main things that Justin really took from our marriage prep was from a video and it was really the concept of always try and outserve each other. And I think that that is the, the main thing that I appreciate so much about him is that he is constantly looking for ways to serve me and not in a way, you know, I think there are these maybe like connotations around the word, like serve your wife or your wife has to submit to you or, you know, those different like kind of catchphrases that you hear, but really this, this practice of always trying to outserve the other person expecting nothing in return. And that is him. He constantly is serving me with no expectation that I'm going to serve him. It's just a hope that I'll do the same back to him. And that's like what Christ did for us. And that's just, it's an insane concept to me, but that to me is what I think that's the best thing that you can do as a spouse. Yeah. And, and then you used the phrase before that I want to touch on there, love language. I I don't know if that's a, a, like a newer 
phrase that's been thrown around there. I feel like it has been, but I've heard it more in the last five years. Maybe it's because I've been married, but maybe I've heard it more in the last five years than I have ever in my life. But this whole love language thing, and I guess essentially what it breaks down to is the way you show love may be different than the way that your spouse shows love or the way that you want to be loved is different than the way your spouse wants to be loved. And I want to say that that is probably one of the most difficult things that, that to your point, Megan, that most couples need to overcome. And, and the only way you're going to do that is by talking about it, talking about it, and then picking up cues, right? That's, that's the, those are the two ways talking about it. And then remembering that maybe you shouldn't talk about it and you should, you should just open your eyes or open your ears. Right. And I want to say that that's something that I'm definitely, I've fallen victim to is, Hey, this is the way that I show love or the way that I want to be loved or the way I want to show love. But that's, that's different than, than my spouse. Right. Like uh, a perfect example is she loves, uh, you know, the way that she reciprocates love or the way that she would like to be loved is, you know, these uh, actions. Not Maybe that's not the word. Um, maybe it's actions. It yeah. So actions, right? It's it's not verbal. It's, it's oh, if, if I do something for her. Acts you know, of service. Act of service. There we go. Acts of service. If, if we do that for each other, then that that she finds, you know, you know, that's the way that she wants to be loved by helping out. Right. And I see that in her too, because she's an amazing host, an amazing host. People come over and she's constantly, uh, you know, preparing food for everybody making and, and doing these things for people, even if she's not interacting with them. And she's perfectly happy doing that because that's how she's showing her love towards other people. Now, factor that into the marriage. How, how do you want to love your spouse? How do they want to be loved? I think that's one of the bigger things too, is identifying that. Would, would you say that's the same thing, Meg? Yeah, absolutely. I, my love language is physical touch. When I made Justin take the test for the first time, physical touch was zero <laughs> for his test. It was zero. And I had to say, I need you to to hug me. I want you to hold me. I want you to hold my hand. I want you to touch my back when, you know, to, that's how I feel seen and known, especially when you're in a crowd of people. I really value that for him. It's acts of service and quality time. And I'm like, well, acts of service for me was zero. So how are we going to make this work? You know, and it, those things don't always come natural to you, right? Because if, if your spouse is, you know, receives love in a different way, it really puts you out of your comfort zone because physical touch for me was supernatural. So here I am thinking, oh my gosh, he's just feeling, you know, he's going to feel so loved and I'm being all lovey-dovey and cute, but he's probably like, okay, when are you going to like, you know, help me cook dinner or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, it's, it's, it's hard. He's, he's washing but the dishes. There's a lot of truth to that. He's washing the dishes. He's like, Meg, can you please stop touching my hair? I'm trying to wash the dishes, please. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, that's very accurate. <laughs> I can wash the dishes faster if you stop hugging me. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you a question, Megan. Um, you know, going back again, you've been married a year and a half. What are some things that you wish you were told or some questions that you wish you asked prior to going into marriage? I knew you were going to bring that question up. You knew it and you still <laughs> seem shocked it. that I asked it. So let, let's I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm acting shocked. Um, you know, marriage prep for us, we kind of made it our own. 
And I'm grateful for that. But I also feel like the church can do a better job at having couples who are already married have a really big influence on people who are coming into the church to get married and hearing wisdom from other married couples, because it's a lifelong commitment that you're making and you kind of don't really know anything about it, except from what your, maybe what your family life has been and what your parents kind of showed you. Um, I think a really huge topic um, that I don't think is addressed before you get married is intimacy within marriage. And, you know, I, like I had said, I went to Franciscan University and, you know, there was a section of one of my classes on theology of the body and talking about the beauty and the gift of self as male and female. And, you know, I think in marriage prep, that intimacy is not talked about a lot. So I really feel like we kind of went in blind, you know, not knowing what that journey is going to look like. And I also think that I sometimes pride myself off of being, you know, an authentic and real person. And I was willing to ask those questions to other married people. But, you know, I fear and wonder what, what is that like for people who are preparing for marriage who might not be willing to ask those questions of what is this going to look like? Because it's not always addressed in marriage prep, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I was going to say, I mean, I think about, I mean, we can all just kind of talk about like culture today, right? Like there are a few people who not, maybe not few, but there aren't probably aren't as many people who are staying virgins before marriage as there were a hundred years ago. Right. So for the people who are then good for them. That's awesome. That's amazing. But they may not be clued into intimacy in general when they get to marriage. But then on the other end of the spectrum, if there are people who had sex before marriage, it's like they might think they have an idea of what sex is, but it's a completely different concept. If you're sleeping around in college or in your 20s or whatever, or high school or whatever it is, sex is not what it is supposed to be in the marital act to you. You know, it's, it's something where you're seeking pleasure or using another person. And if you bring that baggage into marriage, that could be seriously damaging and probably really hard to work through. And granted, I'm not married, so I'm not totally sure about any of that yet. But anybody who has gone through that, I can imagine it's just not easy. And so to your point, there's, if there can be some preparation for that, there definitely, definitely should be. Transactional. That's the word that comes to mind and that I've heard in regards to sex in this culture right now is that when it's so watered down, it becomes transactional. And you bring that transaction into a marriage and, and it's, you know, you know, a recipe even, for disaster. Even the, even the whole idea of what Megan was, uh, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Megan, because you weren't talking about this specifically, but the whole idea of Justin does acts of service for you without anything expectation wise in return. And I think there probably are people just generally who do things for their spouse and expect things in return, whether that be like sexual or otherwise. And that's a recipe, like you said, a recipe for disaster. Right. But again, it's, it's what our culture is feeding into people right now. So if you want to talk about marriage prep from a church perspective, I, I mean, maybe they're not putting a lot of time into it or there's no chapter on that book because the writers of it said, well, you know what? Everybody's having premarital sex anyway. So why are we even wasting our time talking about or having this discussion, right? I mean, you want to talk about things you wished 
right? Things you wished is I'm just looking at my own life. And, and I've had discussions with Katie, my wife, about this too, because we did live together before we were married. And it was never frowned upon by anybody in our close circles, right? And again, it's, I think one of the reasons was because they saw genuine love in our relationship. And in their minds, it's like, eh, they'll probably get married anyway. So I think it's okay. But, and, and that was going on in our minds too. It's like, you know what? We're probably going to get married and we're going to get married in a church and we're going to have a Catholic wedding and we're going to be a great Catholic family. So why not? Why not just live together before marriage? It's no big deal. We didn't have anybody in our lives to say, no, you idiot. Like that, that's not the reason why you shouldn't be moving in together. And here's the Number one, the grave reasons why you should not, aka moral sin, right? right? And then here's the other practical reasons from a Catholic perspective why you shouldn't be living together. So again, this isn't coming from a judgmental perspective for any listeners. And 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 if any listener is listening to this, I don't like the reason I bring this up is to let you know there is zero judgment coming from me from the three of us. And I because I know us, there's no judgment whatsoever because this is. This is just saying, for me, this is something that I wish somebody told me personally, right? Um, so uh, again, uh, that's that's where my head was at because I, I don't want this to come off as a very judge, judgmental discussion. It, it, it Everything but, essentially. Um, so Absolutely. again, um, so Meg, going back to what you were saying, you know, like the intimacy part of, of marriage is something that really isn't spoken about in regards to marriage prep. How was it spoken about in pre-Cana at all? Or? You know, we had a one day retreat that was so bad and it was brutal. There was, I mean, it was literally an old person just like reading from a book. So it was really not a good experience. And honestly, I don't even remember <laughs> it was talked about. I don't think it was because I'm very passionate about it. And I feel like I would remember if we talked about it in that, you know, pre-Cana day. Um, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't talked about. Right. So I, I'm actually, if it's all right with you, I'm going to, you know, kind of try to dig a little bit deeper in regards to this intimacy topic. Right. And again, you go into as much detail as you feel comfortable, uh, obviously, but you said you wish that you had some advice um, in regards to intimacy um, going into marriage. Once again, however comfortable you are talking about it, what what is one piece of advice that you would give for somebody going into marriage who, again, they're not living together and, and they might face some challenges of intimacy, um, you know, within their first year of, your, year of marriage as well? Yeah. So I think one is throw away all expectations, right? It, you know, intimacy is not what it looks like in the movies. I mean, I laugh hysterically now when I am watching movies where there are all these like intimate scenes and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. This is what the world thinks that intimacy looks like is like Zac Efron with, you know, Julianne Huff or something like that, you know, it's like those scenes are what this is supposed to look like. And I would just, I mean, my main thing and, you know, Justin and I have, you know, many friends who are getting married and that is the one thing that we say is throw away all expectations of what you think it's going to look like, because it's probably not going to look like that. And I think that, like you said, things that the secular world teaches you, whether it's TV shows, whether it's porn, whether it is that you are, you know, 
sleeping with other people before you get married. I think that you have this expectation of what you think it will be and that's not it. And it really is this, it is a complete gift of yourself. And whether you are in a space that you have, you know, are saving yourself for marriage or you have, you know, made that, you know, mistake, whatever you want to say, you, you can recommit yourself to making that promise of saving yourself again, you know, before you get married. And there's so much beauty to that as well. And yeah, the main thing that I would say is just expectation and communication too. Communication is key with everything in marriage. You know, what it, what are your expectations? What are you hoping for? What, what are the things that you're comfortable with? And, and that is huge because you want to make sure that all of your, you know, when I say all of your needs are met, I don't, I don't mean that in like this weird, crazy sexual way. I mean it in, you know, this is my spouse and, and we are gifts to each other. So that means sexual intimacy. We are a gift to each other and, and we're committing and had promised on our wedding day that we are promising to be open to life and to having children. And ultimately that is what the marital act is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's awesome hearing you talk about that. So, uh, you're very well spoken talking about it. I feel like I would just jumble all my words trying to explain that to anybody. So I'm glad you just gave that advice now. This isn't sexist, but that's why we have a, a woman on to talk about it because you put any guy in that scenario right there. And yes, they are jumbling over their words because they don't want to say anything well, sexist, essentially. Um, or as, and they won't do as good a job as, as you just said it. Um, you know, going back to the topic at hand, it's the first year of marriage. They're, they're, Megan, would you agree? Because, you know, you're past the first year now, you're, you're going on to, would you say that there are some things that you and Justin are, are going to need to continue to work at in your marriage that, that most people will as well? Yeah, I think for one, it is praying together. Sometimes that can be awkward, right? Because you're like, well, we pray differently or, you know, whatever the case might be. I think always trying to, you know, make God, the center of our marriage and like making that decision daily. Um, I think that's, you know, one thing that you'll always have to work on, but I also think dreaming together is, is huge and saying, what is it that we feel like God is like calling us to in this mission of marriage? Like, what do we dream about? Like, what, what do we want people to remember our family by? And what are the character traits we want our children to have? Like, I, I always say I'm now in this place of where I'm like, man, where the world is at, I just want to have like beautiful, holy, like God-fearing children who just want to change the world and love the Lord because there is nothing else. And we all can agree with that from, you know, walking through this pandemic is there is nothing else. At the end of the day, our faith is is what we have to hold on to. So I think prayer is always going to be something that you're, you're working towards together and, and constantly dreaming and asking God what he's asking of you within your marriage and family. If I could ask you, uh, speaking of dreaming and, and raising a family together, I think another misconception about Catholic couples is, okay, they're married. Now they're going to have, you know, like 
50 kids, like in the next 50 years kind of thing. Has, <laughs> have people in your life, cl- people close in your life or, you know, you know, kind of associate friends, have they said, oh, now it's baby time. Now it's baby time. Have, have you, did you run into a lot of that when you guys first got married? You know, to be honest, no. And I think I'm shocked by that because of where I went to school, because I think the understanding of a lot of people who go to Franciscan is you get married young and then, oops, oh my gosh, all of a sudden you have a baby. And um, that, I think that was kind of more prevalent from, you know, school and kind of like what I saw or what I would hear. It's really more of like what I would hear people talking about, but no, I I haven't come across that. And I think that's because, you know, we're very, um, you know, tight knit with our community and they they're walking with us. So there's never been a time where it's like, oh, well, come on, it's it's kid time. Right. Um, but I'm I'm really, really excited for for that season. Um, and and we'll see, you know, when God blesses us yeah. with those kids that he has for us. I'm glad you haven't had that issue. It's funny because when I worked in campus ministry, the uh, missionaries that I worked with, I heard it's kind of a part of it's I think it's a joke. But it's like a cultural thing where they go by the 669 rule with dating, where it's you date for six months and then you get engaged. And then six months later, you get married. And then nine months later, you have a baby, you know, like (laughs) just very repetitive, very fast moving just to get to the sacrament and then get to the point of like raising children, which God bless you if that's how you do it. But that's not how everybody does it just because you're Catholic. Right. On, On the converse side, it was nonstop. When when Katie and I got married, it was from all ends, all friends, all family. It's like, well, what do you th- what do you guys think? Oh, you're not pregnant yet. Oh, where, where's the kids? Where's the kids? And I'll, I'll say this, and again, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this on another podcast. But it, it is a very all right. Let me let me back up. Nobody says it with malice. Nobody says asks those questions with bad intentions, but. Number one, just asking the question or the way that question can be phrased can be extremely, extremely insensitive, right? Yes. Like there are, there are difficulties that couples can be going through, you know, infertility Mm -hmm. being one, miscarriages being another, and ironically, two things that are taboo. You should never be talking about those things for whatever reason in our culture, we could Again, I think I've referenced this. Cardi B can be singing about what she sings about, and that's perfectly fine. But you can't talk about infertility or or miscarriages because that that it makes people feel awkward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not WAP, right? <laughs> so like like that's backwards. But so mm-hmm. I, I mean that's that's something where if people are like that's why I ask you that question because it was constantly thrown at us, right? And again, another topic for uh, another episode. And praise be to God, we've got three beautiful girls. But again, very, very tough for certain circumstances, for sure. So um, again, it, I, I would love to hear from any any couples, any couples out there who have dealt with that question. You know, shoot us uh, shoot us DMs because I, I can't imagine that Katie and I were alone in in that. Um, so. Megan, back to, you know, what other, what other things w- would you want to touch on in regards to the first year of, of marriage that, that you saw? So I know I mentioned the chosen before, 
And um, Justin and I actually binge watched those episodes last weekend. And, you know, I think going into marriage, I, especially having a brother-in-law who is, is a priest in my head, I kind of thought, oh gosh, you know, is marriage like, is it as special of a vocation as, you know, the priesthood or religious life? And it is, (laughs) I'll go ahead and just answer it is. Um, But just recently when I was watching the, those chosen episodes, um, there were moments where Jesus is, is interacting, um, with Simon, Simon, Peter. And, um, you know, Peter has been following Jesus at this point and it's kind of the beginning of right after he calls him and, um, Jesus walks up to him and he says, I go, I need you to go first and, and, and deal with your wife and, and, and tend to your wife and we'll meet you to where they were going. And it was this moment that hit me where I thought, oh my gosh, Jesus loves marriage <laughs> and he values it so much. Obviously that's why it's a sacrament and it's why it's something that we're called to. But for me, it was just this, this heart piercing moment, honestly. And I'm like sitting on the couch crying and I'm like, Jesus loves marriage. And, and I think a lot of times it might feel like, oh, is it a second best vocation? Is it a, oh, you know, married people, it's awesome. You could have a family, but there are, it's, it is just, it's holy ground, (laughs) marriage and family. And, and another, another scene, um, within the chosen that was so powerful. And I felt like I could identify with was, you know, like I was saying, Justin travels a lot for work, um, and has gone a lot for work. And at this point, um, you know, Peter's wife, um, Eden is home and they've, you know, been out and about and Jesus is teaching and, um, Jesus goes home in the scene goes home and, and he, he looks at Eden and he said, and he grabs her shoulders and he says, I see you. I see the sacrifices that you've been making so that he can be with me. And oh my goodness. I mean, it hit me so deeply because that's what I feel like I experienced with, with Justin, you know, being gone and for, and for his job, I, I really felt this moment of Jesus saying to me, I see you and I see the sacrifices that you are making as well. And you guys are in this together. And, and that, you know, it's not that, you know, my husband is leaving me for something better. It's actually, he is leaving me to go learn from incredible men on the road and also bring Christian music to the world. Like that's huge, you know, but I, I just, I really loved those two scenes and it really hit me how much marriage and family is so needed within the church and that we are also called to sainthood as well. So, I mean, this, this makes me think of, you know, like, like you said, Justin, so Justin, he, uh, you mentioned in your parishioner profile last episode, he is, you know, he's a tour manager or is that the right title? I'm, he's going to kill yes. me because I didn't, if I, yep. I'm second guessing that. He's a tour that. manager, right. a manager and a real estate agent. <laughs> he wears a lot of hats. Yeah. Guy. So, but that, but him being on the road, it, I mean, that's, that's not your average first year of, of, of Catholic marriage, right? With the amount that it he's been away, but he's all, but 
again, you guys, uh, I guess you guys aren't the, the only ones who have, who have to carry that cross essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, just thinking about, you know, my own marriage, um, because, you know, God bless Katie, she's, she's home taking care of the children and I'm out, you know, working and that it is, it's extremely tough to be away. And selfishly, there are times where I'm like, God, like, like I, I wish I could just stay home and like, you know, do I really need to be out here? Like, and then me, 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 the sacrifice that I'm making being out and about, and then to take a, take a step back and be like, but man, oh man, the sacrifice that my wife is making for our family. It, it, and, and you're right because it is not easy for her to be home without me home. Now take that with, with your marriage it's difficult for Justin to be on the road. It's difficult for you to be home without him. You know, we we all find these difficulties and and in in the right marriage, it's like how how are we sacrificing for for our spouse? And it's very easy. And I'm saying this for me too. It's very easy for me to think about what I'm doing and the sacrifices that I'm making. And then to your point before, Sean, also what am I getting in return? for the sacrifices that I'm making. It's, and there are times I need to take a step back and say, nope, get out of that mentality. Yes, you might be making sacrifices, but the people that you love in your life are making sacrifices of, as well. And there's there's no greater or less than in this. It's, are, are, we, are we giving it our all, essentially, right? Um, Absolutely. So uh, again, I'm I'm not I'm not cutting you off there, Meg. What what else what else you got? I, I said that a lot in the first episode, but is there anything else that comes to mind that you think listeners need to hear from your perspective from from a first year in marriage? And again, keep in mind we have we have listeners who are probably preparing for marriage themselves. We have listeners who are not even engaged yet. We have listeners who are married for 30 years, right? Um, so, and I'm sure that a lot of them are just nodding along and saying, mm-hmm, what they're saying is right. Or if you disagree, reach out to us for sure. But is there anything else that came to mind for, uh, in regards to this topic? Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like I have, I still have so much to learn and, and it's a journey. And for the people who, you know, are waiting and in, in that waiting process, um, God's not forgotten about you. He knows exactly what his plan is for you. And then also for the people who are newly married, you know, hopefully you were able to take something from, you know, from what I shared. And then also for the people who have been married for a really long time, thank you. Because we need people like you who who can teach us and show us the younger generation that love with the Lord is sustainable and that it's not impossible and that with him, it it is possible. And, you know, remember the reasons that you fell in love with your person in the first place. And I, I'm just really honored that I was even able to talk about this because I feel like I don't even have that much experience, but I do feel like it was really the best gift that God's given me at a young age. I mean, I'm only 25 and I have my whole life ahead of me to learn. And it is a gift. So I'm just really grateful to be able to come on here and to share about, you know, what my experience has been and something that the world needs. The world needs marriages that are on fire who love the Lord. So yeah, thank what, you for having me. What I'll say is that again, I've been married and I did the math about six and a half years. I might be wrong with that now. 
I can't do math. Anyway, I might have been married for, you know, over five years. And I'll say that, you know, kind of humble yourself because that's what I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to humble myself right now because just because you've been married for a shorter amount of time right now, it doesn't mean that I haven't learned from you, right? You can look to people who've been married 20 more years than you or, but there's, but I'm, I'm looking at somebody who's been married for less time than me. And it's about learning from, from both, right? Because that's something that I've needed to do. Right. In, in, in my life, outside of marriage and all that, it's if, if I have more experience, that means I know more. If I experience, that means I know more. But that's not necessarily the case. And I've been humbled many times outside of marriage. But even now, it's like now they're there for me to think that I can't learn from you guys or even you, Sean, uh, if I can't learn from you preparing for marriage. You know, who am I? <laughs> you know, just uh, that number means nothing. And it's something that I, I, I constantly need to remind myself. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm just, I can think I can speak for both of us saying that we're very grateful to have had you on here to talk, Megan. And I, I think your your interjection about the relationship with God that needs to be formed before you can approach a lot of this stuff is so much needed. And even if you have a relationship with God, just prioritizing that and entering into prayer. I know that's something that I want to work on just personally in my own life, but definitely in my marriage preparation, just helping to um, or, or focusing on making prayer and making a relationship with God together. The, the primary thing that drives all of the teaching and all of the rules and everything else behind it. So uh, very grateful for this conversation, really. Yeah, Megan, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you again for joining us today. Um, you know, I hope you found this episode as helpful as Sean and I, <laughs> essentially. Uh, but don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at Just a Parishioner and Facebook.com slash Just a Parishioner. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And again, help us out with a five-star rating there. And uh, finally, if there's somebody that you know who would be great for a parishioner profile, uh, please reach out. Uh, there are going to be some forms available that you can check out to, to, you know, to fill out. Let us get to know that parishioner a little bit better and you can shoot us an email at weareparishioners at gmail.com thanks you guys please pray for us we're praying for you I'm